Hello and welcome to another episode of the Girls in Work podcast. In today's episode, we interview Nina, who currently works as a senior director for FTI Consulting, taking care of document review management in the German market. We find out about Nina's career journey, her experience of working in a number of different countries, and how through hard work and staying true to yourself, you can achieve anything you want. So grab yourself a cuppa and we hope you enjoy it. Okay, Nina, just to start with, could you just give us an overview about what you do and what your career journey has been like up to this point? Sure, absolutely. So I studied law in Germany and then I continued with my legal studies in the US, getting an MBA, doing an LLM and everything. And um, I slipped into the world of e-discovery at that time, a terrible genre to be in. Everybody was warning (laughs) me, saying, oh, it's so boring. Don't ever go into document review. And um, as stubborn as I was, of course, that was what I wanted to do at that time. Um, Regardless (laughs) of the fact that the money part was good Um, and it gave you some flexibility. So right now, I've passed forward um, 14 years. I'm a senior director at FTI Consulting and um, I'm the right hand woman of um, the partner of our department and um, take care also of document review management or managed reviews here in the German market. So I stayed somehow in e-discovery with a lot of hiccups and um, seeing every part of it basically from the collection then to the review. Was it always something you wanted to do until when you said you did your legal studies? Was that something you kind of always had your eye on? That's what you wanted to do? Absolutely not. I had not even any <laughs> idea. And even when I applied as a document reviewer, I didn't even know what to expect. When I studied law or when I started studying law, and I'm not going to go into the year because then everybody can do the reverse engineering <laughs> calculate my age. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to be a human rights lawyer. My aim was to go to Switzerland <sighs> and work either somewhere at or, or, or in New York, go to the UNO or somewhere be co- connected to some of the nonprofit organizations, fight for human rights, women rights, children's rights, like a tip typical law student who thinks they enter law school and they come out as Perry Mason. And I don't know whether you love, <laughs> ladies know Perry Mason, but it's that famous uh, lawyer, defense lawyer in the American, not a sitcom, but a series. I thought, okay, I'm going to walk in into any law firm and I'm going to change the world. It's going to be me alone. And um, <laughs> I, I hope I did change certain things, but it wasn't that goal I had in mind. It was something else I achieved. So that that was one of the major things I learned on my journey so far. I was just going to say, this might be a really stupid question because it's probably what it says on the tin, but what is document reviewing? I love I was the fact that you're asking that. because no, 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 absolutely not. There are, first of all, there are no stupid questions. You know, the, the whole world of e-discovery, and I would suggest go and Google EDRM and it gives you the perfect picture of what we are actually doing. And um, so basically... Everything, even our our chat here, is somehow recorded in its um, certain data. So anywhere you have data, you can imagine if there are regulatory requirements, lawsuits or anything, you want to collect data and 
see and evaluate it and analyze it, then you, at the very end of that line, you, you need to find out where the data is. And I don't want to bore you with it. So you do the data mapping, then you do the data collection based on that. Then you process the data, you add certain things to it to make it legible and user-friendly, to eliminate as much as possible. And then at the end of it, you review the data, which you think is important for your specific purpose. And to make it very simplified, basically you want to take yeah. a pyramid it and turn it around and eliminate yes. as much as possible to make because the human factor is the most expensive and you want to make that more in quotation marks sexy for your client in order to apply less human reviewers on it back in the day when i started we didn't have as much technology available it was just in the coming and in my days we were on the first lawsuit i participated we were 300 lawyers in five different locations and working non-stop. I mean, eight hours oh was in our contracts, but um, for an entire year, I worked 80 hours a week. 80 hours, imagine. Oh my the, uh, but I, again, this is in the US. Uh, the law firm was located in uh, Pennsylvania, but I was um, working in New York. And if you're familiar with New York working styles, you know that this was not uncommon. People would complain. Yeah. But um, to be fair, I made a lot of, lot of money in that year. But nevertheless, mm -hmm. 80 hours a week, there it takes your, the toll on you. you. You know, you do get sick afterwards, which is exactly what happened to me as well. I got sick afterwards and I, I had to automatically, I was forced to cut back a little bit. Uh, but um, document review is not as bad as people say because you learn about different topics. So that's why long answer to your short question. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's fine. We like it. Okay, so what would you say has been a highlight of your career so far? To be honest, every day of my life is a highlight that in my career oh, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> because you know every day a highlight for me is when you learn something new when you have ups and downs and when you learn to be resilient yeah. to get back on your feet again um again i'd be lying if i said even now um as a senior senior director i have day it, I, I wouldn't have days where i say oh my god why am i doing this of course i have those days as well where i'm just happy to close my computer and say you know what i just want to go into the into nature and i want to go and take a long walk or do some gardening you know mm -hmm. but um Every day you learn something new and it's very important and that's advice I always give everybody. If you have those down days, don't think they are not building you. They are actually the ones that are shaping you the most. It's not, and I read it somewhere, as kitschy as it might sound, it's not the successes, but the failures. So I, I try to, at the end of the day, see what did I learn out of today? Was it worth it? And I choose my battles. So mm -hmm. every day should be a highlight. I mean, nowadays with COVID, every day that one of us or our loved ones are not being infected and not being fatally mm -hmm like infected by it it should be a highlight correct oh that is just the mm -hmm. best mindset i absolutely love that okay so what would you say has been the most challenging moment of your career and how would you say you overcame that uh the most challenging i would say um and i recently discovered it actually not to let any other person's opinion shape your own opinion about yourself you have to know you have to 
love yourself, you have to be your biggest critic. You have to be your biggest competitor. Don't let anybody else do that job for you. Like basically, I might say today to you, Emma, oh, you're so great, or to you, Sophie, and then tomorrow I might say, oh, you're just a terrible person. It shouldn't, it shouldn't change yeah. you as a person. And um, that's something I, I, I had started learning throughout the years, but I think a lot of younger women, and I'm presuming because it happened to myself, I let other people's opinion about me or based on their moods, their words shape my day. You know, if your boss is in a bad mood, so let maybe he, he didn't get his cup of coffee. It doesn't, and he says, oh, leave me alone. You know, it doesn't mean he's upset at you. Don't take words so personally about yourself. It's not all about mm -hmm. you. For you, it should be all about you. But for other people, you are not the top of your pri their priority list. So if somebody yells at you on the street, you don't know their story. You know, and it's very yeah. difficult. And I feel it's very challenging. Sometimes when you call people in the government offices, it's the majority of the time, when you call somebody for your taxes or so, people are so rude. And I would really, really get upset about it before. And I would actually say to people, you know, next time you could talk a little bit more friendly. But I, honestly, who am I to judge them? I don't know their story. Maybe somebody died yeah. in their family, just to be extreme. Or maybe they're just miserable. Of course, there are people who are just <laughs> miserable. But... Um, <laughs> And you know, you, you get a gist of it. Some people like to take advantage of their position, but um, yeah, just do your own stuff. Just be your own critic. Don't let anybody ruin your balance for you. I really like that. And like you say, their mood could just change day to day. And it's absolutely, it's so hard when is when somebody is a bit rooty or they say like an offhand comment, your immediate reaction is to take it really personally. And you have to like consciously get yourself over that hill of no, nope, yeah. it's them. I, nothing about me has changed. I love that. I think it's one of those things as well. I know you mentioned it, Nina, but a lot of young women struggle with that and I think we just worry so much about what other people think and almost like try and get validation from other people but it's about building that resilience and not letting it affect you or take it to heart but it takes it takes some time to sort of get to that place absolutely absolutely you really have to work on yourself constantly and, mm. and it, it's not a I think a lot of times we we expect results in a much quicker way than it's possible a lot of times we expect okay I'm going to make this change about myself or I'm from <laughs> Yay! I'm like those New Year's resolutions. I'm so against them. And, and charge. I used to do them as well, but I'm so against them. It's just you know, it, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I've done it before as well, where I've taken something really personally in the moment, and then a couple of hours later, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that's probably not how they meant it. <laughs> Okay, so Nina, would you be able to share what your experience has been like working in different countries and what your experience of the different workplace cultures have been like for you as a woman in the workplace? You know, the biggest, to give you a sample, the biggest cultural shock I got, well, maybe I should step back. My, my blood is Persian, Iranian, but my parents have been living in Germany ever since. They are more German probably now than Iranian. So I was born, I was born actually on a, on a business, not on a business trip, on a pleasure trip, like on a, on a vacation. <laughs> trip of my parents in Iran. I was raised in Germany, lived the majority of my life in the US, then moved back to Europe. I had a short stop in Germany, spent a lot of time because of personal reasons in France, then moved for work reasons to Switzerland, then to the UK, then moved back to Germany again. <laughs> 
So, oh, that was a handful. Um, obviously, as a child, um, when we moved back from Iran to Germany, that was a little bit of a shock, but different reasons. But uh, the biggest culture shock afterwards, I got when I moved from uh, the US to Switzerland. The countries do have certain similarities when it comes to employment contracts, but they couldn't be any more different. And then when I moved to the UK, I felt this fresh breeze of air again because it reminded me a lot of the US. Then I moved to Germany again and another culture shock, even though I was raised here, but I hadn't been living here for 26 years. So the Germany I had left was a completely different country than when I entered again. So what I started doing after getting to Switzerland and realizing, you know, I just don't understand these people, certain things. At the beginning, I was so naive because I thought, all right, Switzerland, it's the neighbor of Germany not realizing how much the Swiss people didn't like German people. So that as a side comment. So I speak the language. Uh, they're going to be delighted. Everybody's going to be delighted <laughs> as soon as I walk into the room. Well, let's say it this way. They were more delighted when I left the room because I <laughs> showed up with my German German, not the Swiss German, <laughs> being a foreigner in their country, coming up with my American optimism and my Persian dark hair and the this laughing, Iranian people always complain or laugh about things. So I selected the laughing <laughs> part of it, you know? So showing up there and thinking, why am I not conquering the entire country? Um, and, and I realized, you know, people come from different places and it sounds very naive again or very simplistic, but I'm a strong believer of Albert Einstein just in his quote of using simplicity on things. If you really think about it, you need to dig into the country's history sometimes, you need to understand their cultures. And then once I started understanding why Swiss people don't like German people, then it went up to the point that I would ask um, in German about an address, people would give me wrong directions. But if they thought I was an American tourist, they would be nicer to me. So those kind of things. But then again, when I came into the business field and started with my American optimism of, yes, we are going to do this. And as a team, we can do this and blah, blah. Then people would look at me as if I'm on some sort of, I don't know, like <laughs> she, she must have lost it. So long story short, I discovered also when, when I came to the UK, even though I was delighted to be in the UK and I felt this relief that everything is less strict with certain things than Switzerland, I surely discovered when, for example, British people tell you, oh, interesting, it's an absolute no, or it's like this is the <laughs> most garbage idea you've ever presented <laughs> to this planet. So this reservedness, this um, what we consider in the US as the stiff upper lip, and, and I actually learned that. You know, I learned, I tried to learn from everywhere after analyzing it. I like that about British people. First of all, I love your British English. That's number one. I think you guys could talk about the weather and it still sounds sexy. So... <laughs> <laughs> and then German people, when I moved back to Germany, I was completely shocked. Again, feeling like, oh God, I'm going back to my home country. Feeling the country, there is one lawsuit after the next and nobody talks about it. And it's all about the bureaucracy here. You know, it, I started being more objective towards every one of the cultures without being judgmental. Sure enough, I'm I'm saying things now just to for the fun of it. But if you, if you really dig deep into it, if you know those aspects, if you know the 
country SWOT analysis, like be, knowing the strengths and weaknesses of a country, you look at it in a much more objective way without getting very emotional about it. Like if as an Iranian, I say if you if you invite an Iranian to a dinner party, you better say two hours earlier because they're showing up four hours late. So if you have dinner with <laughs> Iran, yeah, if you want to serve dinner at 10 o'clock, you better tell them, oh, show up at six because then that's the, <laughs> yeah. so if you can laugh about every one of those aspects, that's what I learned about every country, that every nation, you, you try to collect the best and you try to fine tune your behavior towards each one of those countries. So if, I, if I'm speaking to an American, I know that small talk is ultra important to them and it's not a waste mm -hmm. of time. It's simply to break the ice and to slowly walk into the main conversation. So I would never have a conversation with an American and say, oh, hello, how are you doing? Okay, let's talk about business. They would never make any sort of business with me but with the German I would need to do that if I chit chat a little bit too much they would go okay can you get to straight to the point and then the German <laughs> okay so is there any advice you would give to your younger self don't expect it to be an easy journey but it's absolutely doable and don't let anybody tell you you cannot achieve something. You can always achieve anything you want. Sure enough, luck is a little bit a matter and being at the right place in the right time. But through hard work and staying true to yourself, not taking no as an answer, you can always achieve anything you want. And I think one of the points I would like to do at this point is I recently got this book, Just Ask For It. I think one of the excuses we women always make is we don't ask for things. And that's something, the biggest advice I would give to myself. I would say just ask for it. If you're unhappy with something, if you don't agree with something, you don't need to be rude about it. You can ask for it because no matter who's making a decision over your career path, over your salary, over your work or project or whatever it is, assume that they have a reason and just ask for the reason. If they d can't give you a reason, that's the time when you know that there is some mean intent behind it. But unless you have that, don't judge over people. Don't assume. Assumptions are the worst. Guys are much more straightforward. I feel men, yeah. if they want a salary increase, if they want a promotion, they just go and say, listen, these are the facts. I've done X, Y, and Z. I want this and this. And we women say, oh my God, they didn't pay attention to me. Well, it's not their job. You, you need to pay attention to yourself to be blunt and you need to tell them listen this and this and this these steps I've done and I want to be rewarded for it and I think that's something younger women are slowly but surely learning however it's given to us as young kids already to be always content with everything you get but sure enough content is one thing but if I've done like if I clean the entire house I want to be rewarded for it and why why should the guy get the praise <laughs> of it you know to be blunt about it yeah I like that and I've done it before I've had I've sat there and gone right I'm gonna have a conversation with my boss about whatever subject it is about this particular question and then I get to the end of the call and he goes is that okay and I'm like yeah yeah get off the call and then I'm like wait hang on a minute I don't think he answered my question and then I'm like wait but I didn't ask the question outright I like try and like navigate around it and like kind of imply what I'm trying to get across and actually I need to you just have to ask the question particularly with men because they don't pick up hints anyway do they let's be honest you know um yeah just one more thing because you just mentioned the men because we do speak different languages if you yeah. there's another very strong 
picture of a machinery, like a plane cockpit. There are two buttons in it. I feel men are much more simplistic speaking. They get straight to the point, but it's yeah. because their brain is functioning differently. And instead of competing with them, and I might have mentioned it to you in our last conversation, Sophie, instead of competing with them, I don't mind being a woman. And Marilyn Monroe said it. I don't mind being a woman in a man's world as long as I can be the woman. That's my advantage. And it's not a disadvantage. I don't want to be like a man. I want to be a woman. I still remember that one thing you said, Nina, on our last call. And you said, don't ever feel like you need to lose your femininity to survive. And I think that's true in both the workplace and in general life. I've got it written down on a little sticky note. <laughs> oh, you're sweet. You know, because when I was your, uh, your age, or when I was much younger than now, I was always told, you know, in the workplace, don't wear this, don't wear that, dress like the guys. Why? I am a woman and I want to wear my high heels and I want to wear my lipstick and I want to wear my nail polish and I want to wear skirts. But if guys judge me based on that, I feel sorry for them, not for me showing my femininity. I do want to be feminine and my feminine touch should be seen as a strength. Why should femininity be seen as a negative attribute? Yeah. Have you ever felt like you have had to suppress that, Nina? When I was young, very young, yeah. yeah, I felt a lot of times this this whole, and I had recently a discussion with a lady about that. She said, no, tears and workplace doesn't have to do anything. I said, why? If if I feel like crying about some injustice being done to me, if I want to cry, I cry. If I want to laugh, I laugh. So it's certain things that, you know, you when you're crying about something, you show your very vulnerable side, but you don't want everybody to see that side of you. But nevertheless, showing emotions is seen again as a, as a weakness. And when I was very young or fresh in the workplace, I would think that a lot of times I need to suppress that. And now, ever since, I would say 10 years, I don't do it anymore. Uh, if I like something, I say it. If I don't like it, I say it the same way. Yeah. Polite, obviously. I think as well, like showing emotion, I always see it as showing you're passionate about it, like whichever way it is, whether you're, if you're crying about it, it's probably because you're, you care about it and you're passionate about it and you're frustrated or like you say, some injustice has happened. And if you're, if you're happy and laughing about it and being like, oh my goodness, this is amazing again it's because you care about it and you're passionate about it exactly just to give you a sample when i and, and it actually happened in switzerland to me um i'm not going to reveal it wasn't with my present employer at my present employer this would never happen i was working for a company and it was very alpha male oriented and the people in the meeting rooms they would interrupt women and i was one of the only i think at that time i was the only woman manager when i joined and they would not let me finish my sentence they would interrupt me me happened for two days I let it go and I said okay maybe they are just aggressive about the case or the project and then I said well wait a minute it's not supposed to be like that and then it got to a point where I really smashed on the table and I said let x y and z finish whatever they were saying because they were even interrupting each other and I got very emotional about it and when I left the meeting I got teary-eyed and the partner of that department told me what's going on I said no it, it's just ridiculous that uh, so-and-so is constantly suppressed and they could speak up for themselves but these typical alpha people are jumping on each other's throats and it's just I was crying actually about something that had happened that not happened to myself but happened to somebody else and so this injustice and he saw a side of me which I would have preferred for him not to see like me crying and teary-eyed but nevertheless it's exactly as you said 
it shows that you're caring about something and um, that exactly. something is important to you. Okay, so Nina, do you have any advice for women who may want to work in a similar role or industry? Uh, well, you said one of the sentences I gave you last time, um, don't ever lose your femininity. Have a goal in mind, but be aware that your goal might change within the time because of your path. I wanted to become a criminal lawyer and look at what I'm doing now. I would have never imagined. Is it a different goal? Yes. But is it weaker level I reached? Absolutely no. Because now when I think back, I say, oh, as a criminal lawyer, I wouldn't have wanted to do X, Y, and Z. Just accept and be, when I say content, sounds sometimes negative because for me, it translates sometimes, okay, whatever you get, be happy with it. That's not what I mean. I mean, just go with the flow. If life takes you in a certain direction, accept the opportunities that open up for you and uh, try to learn. Learn as much as possible. Yeah, Don't take no as an answer. There are so many advice. Just, um, <laughs> Nina could write a book with you. Yeah, <laughs> I know, podcast. I know. I'm talking all the time. <laughs> and oh, uh, one other thing is, and that's something I had to recently learn as well. Don't, we women tend to say we are sorry all the time about something. Like we are talking yeah. a lot and then, oh, I'm sorry. I spoke too much. No, don't say that. Don't be sorry. Don't apologize all the time. And But that's something in our DNA, as I think, as well. And yeah. guys don't do it. And they say, of course you guys listened to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, completely. I did it the other day, and I'm terrible for... If it's been, like, more than a day since I've replied to an email, I always go, like, oh, like, I'm so sorry for delaying getting back to you. And somebody chased me on something the other day, and I, I nearly was like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. And, and instead, I, like, consciously... It was so hard for me to even just type it out. And I said, instead of saying sorry, I was like, thank you for bumping this to the top of my email box and giving me the reminder I was like no do you know what like I'm busy yeah everybody's busy I've got other things I've had to do I've had to prioritize and it, it was it fa- and even when I was sending it I was like oh no oh no but then, <laughs> no, 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 good good very proud of you <laughs> no that's fantastic yeah. and then I was I was like oh look at me I've sent one email where I didn't apologize and yeah yeah, yeah. Like, we apologize constantly <laughs> Even when we get too late to a meeting, we say, I'm sorry I'm late. Why do, we, why do we say that? Sure enough, it's our fault for being late to the meeting. But we can change it around and say, thank you all for waiting for me. It's the same yes. thing. It's the same message. Yeah. But Completely. by constantly apologizing, we, we are putting ourselves into that inferior level. And that's something yeah. I, I think we shouldn't be doing. No, completely. Okay, so just to round this off on a bit of a fun note, if you, and we always ask this question, and I love hearing what people's answers are, but if you could do any job in the world with no financial or time constraints or anything at all, what would it be? Well, knowing that later on, everybody from my work is going to listen to that, and also, including my <laughs> boss, I should be saying, oh, I would want to do whatever I'm doing all those years. But uh, let's be realistic. I always wanted to be an actress, so I would go full time. I'm still doing some acting on the side, but um, that's something people will find out about me now. But... Um, <laughs> uh, at work, funnily enough, at work, I'm very private. Half my life or the majority of my life, nobody knows. But if it's now, one of the things I always wanted to do is going to underprivileged, like like countries where there's war and everything or famine or something, like underprivileged countries, and then giving children the education they need. Because I think that's the fundamental thing. Like education is really the driving engine of our society. If somebody is educated, if you have a certain amount 
of knowledge you're never going to experience. You might not have a job on one day. You might be uh, looking for a job. You might have less money than the other person, but you're never going to be poor because what, what you have in your mind, what you have in your brain, nobody can take that away from you. And that's actually the real richness. And I would have done something like that as well, like go in which is why I wanted to go to the UN and help children's rights and all that stuff. Oh my goodness, what a lovely answer. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Nina. This has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, thank you for taking your time as well. I was just going to say one thing I always like to do at the end of our episodes is kind of recap some of the nice things we've covered. But just to kind of go over a couple of points that we spoke about. So if you have those down days, remember that they will be building you too. Um, and try and remember that every day is a highlight. Don't let anyone else's opinion affect you or change you it won't be an easy journey but it is doable through hard work and staying true to yourself you can achieve anything you want and don't be afraid to just ask for things don't ever lose your femininity have a goal in mind but be aware that it may change and develop over time don't apologize all the time don't take no as an answer and finally just take every opportunity possible you recapped it i can't believe I spoke so much <laughs> without apologizing, no? I spoke so much, I could have done it in five minutes instead of an hour. <laughs> so that is it for another episode of the Girls in Work podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button. And if you do have time, we would love for you to leave us a review as well. That will help us get the word out that we are here. Don't forget, you can also head over to girlsinwork.com for some more empowering and inspiring articles for women in the workplace. If you'd like to get involved, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can get in touch at hello at girlsinwork.com. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the Girls in Work podcast. 